Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline, an absolute classic to kick off the season. Brady, better than ever. Dak, superhuman. Whatever we hoped for, it was better. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Good snap to spot. Here's the kick by Suckup. Is it good? It is good! How about them Buccaneers defending the Super Bowl championship and taking the lead with just two seconds left of the game? That was the end of the beginning of the football season last night. As called on 98 Rock. What an extraordinary season opener. It was, and I will start with two things that never fail. Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The first of them is that the I will always tell you when I was wrong. I will be the first one to acknowledge that I was wrong. It's easy to do because when you're wrong as often as I am, it's not that difficult to point it out. And so I was dead wrong about this game. I was dead wrong about the spot that Dak Prescott was in, and I have not seen a performance that I admired more in an NFL game than the one that I saw from Dak Prescott in a very long time. And we will dive deeply into that in just a moment. In the meantime, I did want to mention the other thing that never fails. If you were listening at the end of yesterday's show, you would have known this was going to happen. You would have known this was going to be a great game. You would have known the Bucks weren't going to blow the Cowboys out. We told you right at the end of the show, and Hembo, is it that we don't get those numbers until the end of the show, that data about how much money is being wagered on either side? No, we have the data throughout the week, but early in the week, it's very difficult to use it much because that's so little money, relatively speaking. By the time we got to the, sh- uh, the end of the show yesterday, a massive amount of money had been put on the game, and 93% of it had been on the Buccaneers uh, at that point, plus, minus eight and a half. We told you that yesterday at the end of the show, 93% of the money was on Tampa minus eight and a half. And if there's one hard, fast rule to follow, it is that if 93% of the money is on anything, the other side is a lock, an absolute lock. And so from that perspective, I'm not the least bit surprised with what we saw yesterday. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Having said that, what a football game. What an extraordinary, that had a Super Bowl-esque kind of feel with two sensational quarterbacks dueling and playing and elevating, just elevating. Who would have thought, who would have thought that Tom Brady would throw for 379 yards, four touchdowns, and be outplayed in his own stadium last night by Dak Prescott? But that's what it was. And to me, last night was a lot more about the Cowboys than it was about the Bucks. The Bucs are excellent. They're going to be excellent. They, I don't take back one word I've said about them. I do believe they will make a run at unbeaten. The first game is always a little bit tricky. They're going to be fine. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still clearly the team to beat in the NFC. Nothing I saw last night changed that. In fact, if anything, I'm more confident the weapons they have offensively. Uh, Mike Evans didn't even get involved last night. But, I mean, between Godwin and Antonio Brown, who looks outstanding, and Gronkowski, who looks outstanding, they're going to be great. But last night was about Dak. You can't have everything lined up against you anymore as a football player than Dak Prescott had last night. Up to and including the fact that when he runs out there for the first time, I, I turned to Stevie, I said, can you believe this? The first time he gets the ball, he's on his own two-yard line last night. 
But, Dak, you know the story. The last time he took a hit in anger, he wound up with his foot facing in the wrong direction, and that was 11 months ago. And he wasn't able to play in any preseason games between then and now because of the shoulder. So he hasn't barely been throwing, and he's been taking mental reps, and he's playing without his best offensive lineman, and he's playing against this great defense on the road on the night that they raised the Super Bowl banner. And all he did was say, so what? I'm the freaking man. That's what Dak Prescott did last night. He elevated in my eyes, and I'd be stunned if that didn't wasn't a feeling that was shared by a lot of people. There were two schools of thought on Dak Prescott, I think, going into last night and in general. I don't think anyone thought Dak, Dak Prescott was a bad quarterback. But I think there were two schools of thought. Dak Prescott is good. There was a, a school of thought. Dak Prescott is a good player. And then there was the Dak Prescott is a great player school of thought. There were a lot of people who were already there. I will confess, I was not one of them. I am now. I wake up in awe of the performance of Dak Prescott last night. The courage, the guts, the mental toughness, that was Jordan-esque, which is the highest compliment I can pay anyone. The unwavering self-belief. He was the best player on the field last night, playing against by far the better defense on the field last night. I, I am absolutely blown away by what Dak gave you last night, and it does change my perspective on him and maybe to some degree on what to expect from the Cowboys season. Now, I would, I'm really interested to hear the perspective of Bubba because many of you may not know this, uh, but Bubba, of course, is our board operator here and is before his extraordinary career in radio production he was a member of the Cowboys organization. In fact, he was one of the original members of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. So he's, uh, you know, been around that organization forever. And he wore a Dak Prescott jersey on the show yesterday. I opened Get Up this morning by wondering aloud, Bubba, is there such a thing in the NFL as a moral victory? Do you come away from last night feeling more like a win or like a loss after that performance? Oh, I mean, if I had to choose one, I would take a win. You know, I, I'm not exactly in love with the moral victory, but if I had to pick one, that would be the definition of a moral victory. I mean, every single person was saying, you're going to get blown out. Why even bother? 20 points, 30 points, you're terrible, you're awful, you, Dak sucks, everyone's terrible, <laughs> ridiculous Dak, unbelievable performance, A++ for him, Amari, A+, Gallup, killing it, A+. Defense showing signs of improvement. Offensive line, a few too many holding, but you know they they were stepping up without Zach Martin, so I'll take it. A little concerned about Zeke. I don't know what's going on there. That's going to be a problem going forward. Special teams, f, just get out of here. But overall, unbelievable signs to build on for the season. I think a lot of people are going to be changing their predictions for the NFC East after last night. Amari Cooper had 13 catches for 139 yards. That guy's unbelievable. And two touchdowns. Last night, C.D. Lamb had seven catches for 104 yards and a touchdown last night. Uh, again, Dak Prescott threw the ball 58 times last night for 403 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception that was not his fault. That ball goes directly through the hands of C.D. Lamb. That's the only blemish on the, on the resume last night for Dak Prescott. I, I, I do believe in moral victories because when, this, when the schedule comes out, you figure to yourself, well, that's an L. That's a loss if everything goes right. For them to be right there all the way through it, and then obviously the call at the end. Oh, brutal. 
I, I, I hesitate to even ask this question to Bubba, and many of you may not know this, but in the interim between the time that Bubba was working in the Cowboys organization and that he came to radio, he actually was a, a member of the NFL officiating staff and has been involved, was, if I recall A lot has changed since then, I see. Heavily involved in uh, the design of the offensive pass interference call. So I will ask you, should that have been an offensive pass interference last night uh, at, on Chris Godwin at the end of the game. Oh, I mean, 100%. That was, I mean, the first thing I thought of was last year with Gallup that they called against the Rams, which he pushed off. And if they're going to call that, they 100% should have called this. He clearly pushed off. It was unbelievable to lose for that. And, you know, the second we gave the ball back to Brady, I was like, this is done. So I understand why McCarthy kicked the field goal, but I think in that point, you just got to go for it on fourth, four down territory because. You're going to give the greatest quarterback of all time a minute and a half. You're going to lose the game. That's just going to what happened. But penalty aside, we should have just gone for it on fourth down. Uh, the, the OPI, though, to go back to that, the most frustrating thing about pass interference is that it is the least consistently called. There was a ref play. right next to him, too. It, wasn't, yeah. it was literally right next to him. It wasn't that he didn't see it. He just didn't take the flag out of his pocket. And – I, I, I had a bunch of defensive players on gut up this morning. I had Ryan Clark, I had Rob Ninkovich, and I had Sam Acho, none of whom had an issue with that play not being called. I will tell you, I disagree. Mm. If that isn't offensive pass interference, I'm not sure what the heck is. And if you're going to let Chris Godwin just push off like that, let's put it this way. If they had thrown the flag, would we have had an uproar? Would we have had people outraged by the fact that they called that? I don't think so. I thought it was pretty obvious. And that's the frustrating part, to Bubba's point. People who follow the Cowboys remember a call that was made on Michael Gallup that was less obvious than this was that cost them a game. And here it is. It goes the other way. But one way or another, that's a spectacular night. So I will ask this question to the assembled members of the hashtag crew today. And Bubba, I'll start with you as the Cowboy fan. Was that the best game of Dak's career? I think it might have been. I yeah. think I'm going to go yes. It was, he so was too. unbelievable. So, I, I mean, think when you take all things considered, yeah, exactly. Yes. All things considered, yes. I, I think it was. Uh, uh, Hembo, was that the best game? Did your perspective on Dak Prescott change last night based on that performance? Whatever your perspective was at this time yesterday, is it different now? No, because I already thought that Dak Prescott was a star, a fringe top five quarterback, but my perspective on his team did change. Yesterday this time, I would, I would have told you, I think Washington's going to win that division. Today this time, I think it's going to be Dallas. And then I hesitantly ask, hashtag Nuno, <laughs> who is a crazy giant fan who hates the Cowboys more. I don't even – what do you hate more? Do you hate the Cowboys or the Eagles more? Who do you hate more? I think I'm starting to lean more towards the Eagles fans because their fans are just so obnoxious. What's up, Hembo? Um, <laughs> I think what I, – hey, I, I understand the love affair that we have. everyone has for Dak today – but can we also remember that there was two plays where he should have thrown picks, one in the end zone, um, and then where I forgot which other linebacker, uh, Pax, uh, Bucks linebacker, dropped a clear interception that if he gets out of the way, there's another Bucks player behind him in the end zone waiting for that. So let's slow down on this level. Oh, here, here we no, go. Oh, he's finding wow. fault. He dropped back to pass 62 times, Nuno. Give yeah. the guy a break. Against that great defense – that made Patrick Mahomes look human in the Super Bowl last year, look less than human in the Super Bowl last year. So I like that. Uh, I, I am on the Dak side of this thing. The Zeke piece of it is interesting, mm. and I can explain to you exactly why that happened last night. 
and why it's going to continue to happen all year long. If you have Zeke Elliott, if you drafted Zeke Elliott high on your fantasy team, I have very, very bad news for you. Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, and you can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299. No contract. It's all on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. We will be on this game and on football just about the entire morning today. But coming up next, we will take a detour. And it is one that is very worth taking. On the eve of the solemn 20th anniversary of September 11th, a special conversation with a person who lived it as deeply as anyone in sports is next here on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline in 30 seconds. A very special conversation with a person who, as I told you, lived the experience of September 11th 20 years ago as deeply as anyone in sports. Um, and it will be the only departure we make from the NFL today, but it will be one well worth doing. We'll do that in 30 seconds after this word from Straight Talk Wireless. 5G is here. But the big carriers want you to sign a pricey long-term contract to get in on the action. Well, not anymore because Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide with plans starting at just $35 a month with no contract and get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299. All on America's best networks, 5G coverage, 5G phones, less money. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. And with that, uh, it is my privilege to bring Bobby Valentine into the conversation here over the many years. I, I did a, um, a special, a 9-11 special called Comeback Season several years ago for ESPN that is now airing again. We updated it for the 20th anniversary. It's something I'm as proud of as anything I've ever done at ESPN. Uh, and through that, I have had the opportunity to talk about this many times with Bobby Valentine, who on September 11th, 20 years ago, was the manager of the New York Mets, and I can tell you that, and, and anyone who was around at the time will recall, no one was more giving of themselves, no one was more dedicated to making things 
better in any ways that they could be um, and in attending to the needs of those who were devastated by those events. No one in sports, and maybe even beyond sports, was more connected to it than Bobby was. And, uh, and so it's my pleasure to bring Bobby in on, on this, the day before the anniversary, to share some of his recollections and, and maybe some of the lessons that we can take from it all. Good morning, Bobby Valentine. Greeny, good being with you. That's uh, kind of you. Thank you. Well, you know how much these conversations have meant to me as a kid who grew up in New York City. I, I think I've told you my, my high school prom was in the Vista Hotel which was in the World Trade Center. I grew up a 15-minute walk from the Twin Towers. So this is something that was always incredibly intimate and personal for me. Uh, but So let's start with your most vivid memories. It's, it's, in some ways, the 20 years feel as though they have gone by very quickly, and in other ways, it feels like it happened in a different lifetime. Um, as you look back on it, as I'm sure you've had occasion to now, what are the most v- vivid memories that have stayed with you 20 years later? Greedy, I'm sorry about the background noise, but I am down here at the memorial uh, as we speak. And, uh, you know, so many things are flashing through my mind um, that maybe I'll sound a little confused. But, um, you know, vivid memories of uh, the first time uh, looking across the Hudson as our team drove back from Pittsburgh and seeing what I was hoping to be the skyline of New York City, but instead it was just a, uh, a, a an island covered in black smoke. And uh, getting down to Ground Zero uh, 48 hours later and walking through the uh, ankle-deep ash that was on the streets that I just walked down, uh, getting here uh, and getting getting to Ground Zero and, and – seeing the faces of the rescue workers who were, uh, you know, trying uh, so desperately to remove some of the tons of steel and broken glass and concrete that, that stood there must have been 20 stories high. Um, You know, those images of, of the, of the eyes of people, who had fear and despair and and uh, sleep deprivation? Uh, yeah, I, I remember all those things. I remember them uh, too vividly, and sometimes in the middle of the night, uh, I remember them uh, as though it's it's re- rehab re- reliving again. And and then Bobby again the the. One of the wonderful things about being a public figure and, and, and about being involved in sports as you have been all of your life is that while all of us sat and wondered what can we do about this, there were any number of ways that you could actively help. What do you remember about the role that, that not just you, but that the, the Mets in general and that, and that the world of sports collectively played as we did begin picking up the pieces? Yeah, Greeny. I mean, it, it was a call to action. Uh, you know that um, you know leaders um, uh, lead and and they lead by doing things and and uh, uh, our team uh, the other teams of New York uh, the of course the Yankees of course the Rangers at the time and the Jets and the Giants uh, all took on the responsibility that they were supposed to take on that leadership responsibility hey the atlanta braves came up on the 21st and played us left their home 
their secure place came to a place that was going to put them in harm's way. Uh, I mean, we were a couple miles from an airport. We were going to be in a stadium a couple miles from where the, the building had just been attacked 10 days before. It took bravery there. It took leadership qualities for the, from the Atlanta Braves in uniform to get on a plane and come to New York and play in that game. And, and I'm really proud to say that, that the New York Mets, the guys that I was around, Johnny Franco and Al Leiter, Robin Ventura, I mean, you name the guys, they all gave the first first clubhouse meeting I had uh, had back. I said, hey, how about everyone raising their hand who wants to give the day's salary to those in need? And everyone, without hesitation, raised their hand. And, uh, you know, from there, it went from giving of their money to giving of their time to giving of their energy to giving their love. And uh, there was so much need. And, and I think the sports world uh, uh, answered the bell. Greeny and Bobby Valentine remembering the events of 20 years ago and then those that followed. You mentioned the Atlanta Braves coming up to play you. That is one of the most memorable games in its own way in baseball history. And in the special that I, I mentioned a moment ago, we pointed out that in his Hall of Fame career, Mike Piazza hit 427 home runs. In his Hall of Fame speech, he only mentioned one of them. He mentioned the one he hit that day. Bobby, when, when you think back on that game and that night and that home run, which um, came to mean so much more than anything that normally happens in a baseball game, what are your most vivid recollections of, of that night and that moment? Wow. Well, you know, the event itself was was remarkable. From the national anthem that brought tears, chills, and sorrow, and also anxiety to everyone in the stands and on the field and in uniform, to the first responders uh, doing the chorus line kick to Liza Minnelli singing New York, New York, uh, to the to the uniform men in their fatigues and women who are uh, on the top of the light standards at Shea Stadium and and the dog sniffing, uh, the bomb sniffing dogs. And I mean, the event of the day was just so surreal. It was, it was out of a, uh, uh, a movie that we wished was never, was never made um, that, that we were, we were kind of all walking around in a daze, you know, um, we embraced the Braves before the game, before the game on the field, who would have, thought that that could have been done in a professional sporting event. We, we all sang and cried to our national anthem together. 40,000 people. Are you kidding me? Who would have thought that that was going to happen in a sporting event? And then when the game actually became a game in the eighth inning and people started to think, well, maybe we should just think of this as entertainment, the superhero walks to the plate. And what does he do? Not only does he hit a home run, he hits a home run that the sound of the crack of the bat was heard in the upper deck. And the roar of the crowd instantaneously transformed the emotions of the day from despair to hope. I mean, it was, by God, it was the most amazing moment of my life and I think that's why Mike mentioned it in his Hall of Fame 
speech because it really was different than anything else that ever happened on a baseball field. You know, I I, uh, I have young kids, and neither one of them, well, actually, my daughter was born before September 11th, but she was um, less than a year old. So now, you know, I, I, I find it interesting that there were some people, some of us, like Bob, like yourself and, and, and me, and, and so many others who remember the events then so well, and then there are many for whom it is just part of history. Um, and I've taken my kids many times to the 9-11 Memorial and Museum, and, and you start to get a little bit of a sense of what it all was. But I, I think I'd like to ask you to sort of wrap up the conversation today. Um, what do you think should be the enduring lessons from this? We feel so far away from the people that we were 20 years ago. We do, at least to me, sometimes very discouragingly so. Um, what would you like the enduring lessons of that period of time to be for the people of this country, particularly the younger ones who don't remember it the way you and I do? Well, I think that they absolutely have to understand that in a time of crisis or in a time of need, that there needs to be trust in leadership. And when there's trust in leadership, there's teamwork. And when you have teamwork, you have a chance of succeeding. Um, You know, at that time, from our commander-in-chief down through every leader who was involved in the days after 9-11, the people of our country had trust in them. They united as a team. They showed what teamwork could do in the healing process. And my gosh, if there's not a lesson today, to be learned about what great leadership and great teamwork can do, um, then we we better watch we better watch the game again and figure it out. It's so well said, uh, Bobby. I know that you and Joe Torre will be there tomorrow. The Yankees and Mets play each other. Um, the game tomorrow is at City Field, and I and I my understanding, Bob, is you're going to throw out the opening pitch, and Joe Torre is going to catch it, which should be an extraordinary moment and and one that is so. Um, incredibly appropriate. Thank you very much for taking this time and sharing these recollections with with this audience. And and I hope that I will see you soon. My best to the family. And uh, thanks again for this. Thanks, Greeny. You do a great job. Listen to you all the time. Take care and stay safe. Thanks, right. Ben. You too. Thank you, Bobby. I, so I've gotten to know Bobby Valentine over the years. I, he, he obviously was a legendary, you know, he was a great player. And then he was a, everybody knows what Bobby was as a manager, right? I mean, he was like a larger than life figure. And so I didn't really have any idea what to expect when I first met him. And we did this special. The way we did the special, it was in uh, July of 18 that we shot it. We, in, we had all these people come to the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. So I had Vinny Testaverde there. I had Joe Torre there. I had uh, Bobby Valentine there and, and quite a few other uh, people who had been involved in the sports world in and around New York at the time of 9-11. And... We had um, many families and survivors and families that had lost people and all, all sorts of stories. The Andrewsy brothers were there. All, all, of, all of those stories. I hope you've seen it. The special is called Comeback Season, and it was about the role that the world of sports played in the return. But what I learned through that process, because I remember seeing you know, pictures at the time of Bobby Valentine packing boxes and all kinds of things you know, that, that many people were doing. What I subsequently came to find out through that is that literally no one gave of themselves more than Bobby did. And my level of respect for him has increased and intensified. And I would imagine that that based on that conversation, you would understand why. 
So I'm going to get back to all the football and stuff like that in just a minute, and that's what we're doing because, I mean, I've always believed that you come to, to this show and you come hang out with me when you do because you want to get away from thoughts. But this feels too important not to have um, made some uh, memory of. And I will tell you that on the morning of Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, I was on the radio. I was doing this. Mike and I were sitting there. Um, we will always remember what we were doing. We were talking to Digger Phelps about college basketball, and our producer then, Pete Genesini, who's now an executive at ESPN, said in my ear, Greeny, look, look at Good Morning America. Like, just look up at the screen. And I could see there was smoke coming out of one of the Twin Towers, and I, you know, I didn't thought to myself, well, something terrible has happened here. And then you start to find out that a plane has crashed into the building. And my first thought was, oh, no, that's some terrible tragedy, some little private plane or, you know, someone, this is, some people are going to get killed in this thing. And then, of course, we all saw what happened after that. And again, my personal connection to this is is probably stronger than most. I, I did lose a childhood friend in the towers that day. I did, uh, as I say, I grew up in that neighborhood um, I, we're sitting in that neighborhood right now. We, we could walk to the Freedom Tower from here in 10 minutes. Um, so so much of my life has circled around lower Manhattan that um, I've always taken this very personally. And But anyway, the point is that Mike and I were doing the show when it happened, and I have saved to this day, and I will keep forever, a file of emails that we received over the weeks and months and even years that followed because um, this was really before social media was a thing. But emails that I we got from people saying that we were the ones they heard it from. Because what happened was after the second plane hit the towers, there was no point in pretending to talk about sports anymore. So we literally, I was just reading the Associated Press wire copy, and Mike and I just sat there and described what we were seeing and talked about how we were feeling. And I, I have no idea how many people continued listening at that moment, but however many did, we got a lot of notes over the years, and those have always been very meaningful to me, and I know they have been to Mike as well. Um, and then we came in the next day. You know, there was all this talk about people who came in. When did Letterman? We, we came on 6 o'clock the next morning, and we there was no reason to talk about sports, and we just sat there and talked for four hours about how we felt and what had happened. And um, So th- th- those are some of my personal recollections of it. Uh, of, of the day itself and and then obviously getting involved in any way that we could and, and actually I will I will finish by telling you I've said this before but it's been a while that the immediate aftermath of September 11th was the only time in my life when I questioned what I do for a living as I would sit there and watch the all these pictures of all these heroes people who are down there digging and working and helping and, and trying to be actively involved in helping, I really did wonder to myself, like, what am I doing here? I mean, we're sitting up here talking about baseball games. I mean, it just seemed so unimportant and meaningless. And what I subsequently came to believe and, and, um, and have come to feel to this day is that while what I'm doing is obviously not saving people's lives, um, there is an element of it that feels worthwhile. There's an element of it that that if, you know, 20 years later, we can still take your mind off your troubles, whatever they may be, whether they are of the more immediate variety or for those who live with holes in their lives that will never be filled 20 years later. Um, if we are able to take your mind off of that, you know, Hembo and Nuno and Bubba and the crew and me here and all the different things that we do, then we're serving a purpose. We're, we're doing something. We're making the world a little bit of a better place. At, at minimum, I've convinced myself of that over the years. Um, 
So those are just a few of my thoughts on this day. I know they were somewhat disjointed. Um, but again, my thoughts have been with and will always be with uh, the families who, again, will never be whole again 20 years later. And I, I hope that the lessons that came from that day will stay with us as a nation and as a people forever. Um, with that, let me catch up on a few of the things I did not mention while we had Bobby on. He was on the Goodyear hotline with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear more driven. Uh, this is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. We'll come back. We'll get back to the NFL uh, and a whole lot more as we continue. In just a moment, I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, small business protection for more than vehicles with insurance expertise to keep your company moving forward. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Meanwhile, the disaster continues in one NFL city. Five guys. We're talking J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, now Gus Edwards, Marcus Peters, and don't forget Rashad Bateman did the groin groin as well. The Ravens now have had three running backs go down with season-ending injuries in the span of 12 days. It's just unbelievable what has happened. You know, every single year in the NFL, one or two teams will just have their seasons ruined by injury. And there's never, never any way to predict which team it's going to be. And I do wonder if the Ravens season has been ruined. And if the final nails in that coffin were, were placed in yesterday's practice. Unimaginably, a team that lost basically half, not half, all of their receivers to one injury or another early in training camp, figured, all right, they're going to lean like crazy on this running game, then lost J.K. Dobbins in a preseason game. Yesterday, lost their next, their great running back, the guy that you figured is going to pick up all the slack, Gus Edwards, and cornerback Marcus Peters is one of the best in the entire NFL within a five-minute span of each other to torn ACLs in practice. It's unimaginable what has happened to that team. And so I have two overriding thoughts that come from it. 
One is, if Lamar Jackson is able to elevate this team into the playoffs this year, despite all of this, then that really is a remarkable mm. season. And anyone who questions whether he should be worthy of every penny he's going to wind up getting paid would just need to shut themselves up. The other thing is, because I have been giving a little thought to some fantasy, could Lamar Jackson lead the league in rushing this year? Is that possible? Like, they signed Latavius Murray. I saw that they, they might bring in, is it, is it Devontae Freeman? Like, they're going to make some other moves. They, they will have people to, for him to hand the ball to. But they may now lean on him more than ever before with, without being able to throw it the way they wanted to. Mark Andrews might have himself a really big year, but everyone is going to take him away. The one thing a defense can't really take away is Lamar Jackson just flat beating people and running with the ball. So if he doesn't get just beaten to a pulp, I, I could see him easily see him rushing for like Twelve or thirteen hundred yards this year. Well, he rushed for twelve hundred yards in his MVP win. Let me season. say that again. I could see him rushing for fifteen oh. or sixteen hundred <laughs> yards this year. He's got an extra game, mm-hmm. and they need to do it. Yes, it's going to look a lot like his offense in college, right? It ha- it has to. He, I would say, he would be my pick to lead all of football this year in fantasy points because of what they're going to ask him to do. And I went back and checked this morning, Greeny, because of that point you made. There is never in the history of the NFL been a quarterback to lead the NFL in rushing in a season. I don't think it's that out of the question. And if he can get to 1,500 yards or somewhere thereabouts, he's got a shot at it. Right now you can get those odds at 30-1 to at Caesars, just in case you are inclined to lay a few shekels. 30-1 to on Lamar to to be the MVP or to lead the league in rushing? To lead the league in rushing. To lead the league in rushing. Look, I will grant that seems unlikely. But in a league where teams are increasingly running the football and teams are increasingly utilizing two backs... When they run the football, like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and a lot of it, New England has a whole stable of running backs. When you look at the teams that figure to run the ball a lot, most of them have multiple backs. Mm-hmm. I, I think this season, this is going to be the season of Lamar in Baltimore, which was not at all what I think they wanted it to be. No, and this guy, when he runs the ball, averages six and a half yards a clip. It's one of the highest averages in the history of the NFL. He's led led the league in that statistic in each of the previous two seasons. So if it's not going to be Derrick Henry and it's not going to be Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis, I think this guy's our next best bet. He's an interesting pick for DraftKings this week. They play the Raiders, which is a bad defense, (laughs) on Monday night football. That feels like an interesting one. Lamar's going to be super expensive on the DraftKings app. You should download the Draft Kings app and use the code Greeny. You'll get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. That was one story from that division. The scoop. The other one was much better. We'd been talking about what was going to happen with JJ, excuse me, TJ Watt. Would he wind up getting a deal done? He did. TJ Watt got the monster deal yesterday. Four-year, $112 million extension. That includes nearly eight includes eighty million dollars in full guarantees, which got me to thinking: Will the Watt brothers be the second richest brothers in NFL history? So it's going to take a while for anyone to catch up to Eli and Peyton. Eli and Peyton, over the course of their careers, earned five hundred and one million dollars. But where are we right now? You put some numbers here. You say J.J. Watt has made one hundred and fifteen million. That's right. And T.J. Watt, it says here. Forty-five million plus this contract. Plus the new contract. So yeah. So we're talking about nowhere close to the Manning brothers, and this does not even include endorsements. So right. Everyone. Now, is, Eli and Peyton have so much. Everyone's money, playing ridiculous. for a second there. 
Yeah, no, <laughs> no one's catching Eli and Peyton. But it is. I mean, if you're the Watt family, you're feeling pretty good about yeah, yourself. I would say so. You got two sons who wound up playing on the defensive line, not quarterbacks, but on the defensive line in the National Football League, and are going to wind up making at on the low end, not counting endorsements, are going to wind up making on the low end something like three hundred million dollars. <laughs> So that's pretty good. And and more importantly, for fans across the sport right now, that's what the Steelers needed. I have the Steelers in the playoffs, and I, that was that defense needs to be a given. And with that guy, it will be. And so to me, and I'm going to do the top five matchups I'm most looking forward to coming up in the show here, but I think watching T.J. Watt chasing around Josh Allen this week is going to be a lot of fun. Steelers are going to be much better than most people think. We'll break briefly on that thought. We've got some gambling advice for you on the way and who you got ESPN radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio and see it with the video on ESPN plus also catch Greeny on get up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 